Let us now read together what we confess in Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 28. It's on page 540 of your Book of Praise. There we have God's word summarized as follows. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With his command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me, and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread of the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ, and so we see forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, Yet we are flesh of his flesh, and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit, as as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood, as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11. This promise is repeated by Paul where he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. 1 Corinthians 10. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 84, the stances 2, 4, and 5. Beloved congregation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, there are two things we need to sustain life. First thing is water, second is food. We cannot live without these things. If you are deprived, deprived of food and water for an extended period of time, you will die. But there are also two things necessary for our spiritual life. 
The first is fellowship with God, and the second is fellowship with our fellow man. And such fellowship is often expressed through having a meal together. You cannot divorce your need for food and drink from your fellowship with God and each other. They go together. God's people Israel, who had just been rescued from Egypt, quickly forgot that. The Lord God had led them through the Red Sea on dry ground with the Egyptian army nipping at their heels. The Lord God drowned Pharaoh and his whole army. And Israel was extremely thankful and joyful for such deliverance. But it only took three days, and their mood changed from one of joy to one of anger. For after three days, they began to grumble against God. They grumbled because they could not find water in the desert. They were angry and afraid, and they took it out on Moses. Why? Because they, just like we tend to be, were short-sighted. They had to learn that they are totally dependent on the Lord God and that he will supply them with everything they need. But they had to trust him. And that is the lesson that we also have to learn. And we have to learn that time and again. And that's what we're dealing with this afternoon. The theme for this sermon this afternoon is as follows. Lord's Supper teaches us to depend on the Lord our God for all our needs. And therefore we must, in the first place, remember the past, in the second place, have fellowship in the present, and finally have confidence in the future. As I said, Israel had only been set free from their captors, their tormentors, for three days. But already they had forgotten or it seemed like that, what it had been like in Egypt. They had, forgotten, they had forgotten the miracles that the Lord God had performed on their behalf. While they were in Egypt, they had cried out to the Lord, and the Lord had heard them. They cried out to him, not because they were so much interested in having a relationship with God, but because they wanted relief from their difficult circumstances. And then the Lord God heard them nevertheless, and he spoke to Moses in the desert, appearing to him in the burning bush. He said to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people Israel in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell him to let the Israelites go. Moses, however, did not think that the Israelites would listen to him. And so the Lord tells him to throw the staff that he had in his hand on the ground. And when he did that, that staff turned into a snake. But then he picked it up again by the tail, and it turned back into a staff. And the Lord God also told him to put his hand in his cloak. And as soon as he did that, 
it was as leprous as snow. But when he put it back in his cloak again, it was restored. The Lord God told Moses to perform those miracles in front of the people. Then they will believe that it was the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who had sent him. And then after that, Moses performed all kinds of other miracles. First, there was the plague of the blood, when all the water in Egypt turned into blood. And next, the Lord God sent a plague of frogs. And then came the plague of gnats, and then the plague of flies. Pharaoh, however, still did not listen. And so God put a plague on the livestock. And then he gave a plague of boils and a plague of hail. He also sent a plague of locusts and a plague of darkness. None of those plagues, none of those miracles made Pharaoh relent. He would not listen to the voice of Moses, the voice of God. And finally, all the firstborn in all of Egypt were put to death by the Lord's hand. Only then did Pharaoh let the people go. But then came the greatest miracle of all. He led his people Israel through the sea on dry land, and he drowned Pharaoh and his whole army. Now, you would think that God's people Israel would remember all those things once they were in the desert. And, of course, they did. They remembered the actual events. They remembered the miracles. They remembered the events, but not the greatness of the one behind all these events. These events did not make the impact upon them that they should have. They did not stand in awe of that almighty God. They were just glad to be rescued from a bad situation. While they were in Egypt, they were so concentrated on themselves and on their own needs that they were not able to really connect with the one who made it all happen. It is for that reason that after three days in the wilderness, they right away murmured against the Lord God. They were too self-centered. And therefore, they were blind to the power of God. And so when they could not find water, they despaired. They thought that they were going to perish there in the wilderness. They did not stop to think that that same God who had let them out of Egypt would never let them die of thirst or hunger. They had yet to learn that they had to trust in the almighty God who works miracles. But you may say, is it not really any wonder at this point? For who can go without drink or food for three days? But it's highly unlikely, however, that they were without water or food during that time. No, when they left Egypt, we know that they took all kinds of provisions along. And no doubt they also took fresh water for themselves and for their cattle Oh, sure, the water would have run out, or they knew it would soon run out. And probably one of those days that was about to happen. But they were not out yet. And so what did they do? Did they then pray to God that he would have more water and food? That would have been the right thing to do. 
but he should have known by now how precious they are in the sight of God. They should have known by now and remembered that the God who can perform miracles, the great miracles that he did, would certainly be able to provide them with food and drink. Now let's get back to this Lord's Day. Question 75 asks, How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? The answer is given in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. In remembrance of him. Remembrance of what? Nothing else than the wonderful miracle that he has performed. And what was that? What is that miracle? That the Lord God rescued Israel from slavery, from Egypt. Oh, sure, that was a great event. That showed the kind of God that we have to deal with. But now we live in the New Testament. And now we must remember an even greater event. And that is our rescue from sin and the devil. God performed a very great miracle. And he performed that miracle through his son, Jesus Christ. And this remembrance may not be some shallow, artificial remembrance. This remembrance is not something that we do just with our heads, but also with our hearts. And as we learned this morning, with our bodies. We must remember to trust that almighty God and to put ourselves, our lives, our heads, our minds, our bodies into God's hands. To trust him. To remember what he has done. To know what he is capable of. The Lord God instituted the Lord's Supper so that we will properly remember what he has done. He also gave Israel a meal of remembrance when he gave them the feast of Passover to celebrate. Passover was instituted so that they could remember the time that the Lord God had passed over Israel as he killed the firstborn of Egypt, that he spared their lives so that they could remember the Exodus. He gave them a great celebration. He gave them a celebration to make them remember how he loved them. And he does the same thing in the New Testament. Except now such a remembrance is of a much greater event. The Gadigism says that as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. The bread and the wine are to help us to remember what happened some 2,000 years ago on Golgotha. To help us remember the terrible sufferings of Christ. He who was God in the flesh came down to this sinful world to rescue us from Satan, to rescue us from our terrible fate which would be to be consigned to hell and eternity. He came to give us eternal life. That is the remembrance. 
that we celebrate. That is what we are to remember. The Catechism speaks here about sharing in Christ's sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts. And sharing implies fellowship. You cannot separate the gift from the giver. That brings us to the second point. Why do you think that God delivered Israel from Egypt? Well, he did this so that he could have a people with whom he could share. He created Adam and Eve for that very reason, to share his creation with them. And he preserved a people for himself for that very reason as well. And that is why he made a covenant with us. A covenant implies partnership. For that reason, marriage is also called a covenant relationship. Husbands and wives share with one another. They share their possessions. They share their bodies. In a good marriage, you share everything. In a good marriage, you truly want to share and to give of yourself. Well, that is also what God wants to do with us. He wants to share with us the good things already here on this earth. What do you and I enjoy the most? Well, good food and good drink, isn't it? When you want to have a good time with your wife or with your children or with your family, then you go out to dinner. You especially enjoy each other's company when you enjoy a good meal together. And that's when you have great fellowship with one another. And that will lead even to greater fellowship further down the road. And when the Lord God led his people out of Egypt, he promised them that he would bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. He also promised to protect them from all kinds of diseases and to protect them from their enemies. And he promised them that they would never go without food or drink. Have you ever gone without and he also realized those promises. Look at how he took care of them during their journey in the desert. He gave them manna from heaven. Even though they grumbled against him, he nevertheless gave them fresh water to drink and good food to eat time and again. Why? Because he loved them that much. Because of the fellowship that they had together. And now the Lord God connects food and drink to our fellowship with him. He knows how much we desire, how much we need food and drink. But just as we desire food and drink, so we must desire him. For just like he did not just give them food and drink in the desert, so does he not just give us food and drink today. While they were wandering through the desert, the Lord was always with them. And they could also experience his physical presence through the fire and the cloud. For during all the time that they were in the desert, in the evening, they could see the fire ahead of them. And during the day, they could see the cloud ahead of them. And they knew that God was there. They saw the glory of the Lord in the cloud and in the fire. And the Lord also had them build a tabernacle. 
Also, that tabernacle would be a visible reminder of God's presence. He wanted to be amongst them as they traveled to the promised land. And during those travels, he wanted to share with them his gifts. Now then, today we too have a visible manifestations of God's presence among us. He gives that in many ways. But he does that especially in the Lord's Supper. The bread and the wine represent the body and the blood of Christ. As we eat and drink the bread and the wine, as we digest them, they become part of us. In the same way, Christ is part of us. He dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. But the bread and the wine represent something much greater. They represent all the gifts of Christ and a true and full union with him. The bread and the wine nourish and refresh our hungry souls, as the form says. We drink a glass of wine when we celebrate. Well, we may do the same at the Lord's Supper table. What a great celebration we may have every time we enjoy the Lord's Supper together. That is not a time for long faces. No, it is a time for joyful faces. Because that is when God shares with you. He reminds you of his fellowship with you. And the elements remind us not just of physical sustenance, but especially of spiritual sustenance. And the bread and the wine remind us of the greater gift that God gives to us. Brothers and sisters, as the Israelites were desperately looking for water, they were driven to despair because they didn't trust. They were full of anxiety. And for that reason, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, which means that they grumbled against God. And then the Lord, nevertheless, still gives them what they asked for. However, he gives it to them in his own time. He tested them there in the desert. They had to learn to trust him. They had to learn that God always looks after them. And so in his own time, he gave them fresh water. But he did more than that. He then led them to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. That drink of water that they could receive at Merah was a foretaste of the great abundance that God will give them in the promised land. And now there in Elim, they could eat and drink to their heart's content. What a great time of rejoicing that was. You would think that after that they wouldn't grumble anymore, wouldn't you? Lord God wants to bless his people and he wants to give them everything, but they have to trust in him. He will give it to you also when you are driven to despair. Trust in him. He will give you what you need. Also, when you are young and there is a crisis in your life, 
when you lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend, for example, or when you're humiliated in one way or the other, or when some illness strikes you. Sometimes some terrible things happen in our lives, and as you get older and there's a breakdown in family relations with one of your children or your parents, or perhaps with your wife or your husband, or you lose a loved one, then the Lord God wants you to trust in him. For he gives you everything what you need in his time. And that's what he wants to teach us also with the Lord's Supper. For it is especially when we feel totally empty that he will fill us. That is what he promises us in his word. We ourselves can bring nothing to him to share with him, but he can bring everything to us to share with us. As a matter of fact, we have to go to him with empty hands and with an empty heart. Do you know what the Lord God then will grant you? The greatest thing that you will ever receive Communion with him, fellowship with him, everything that you need for joy and for happiness. And he removes your sins. He grants you, as the catechism says, the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. And that is the greatest need of all. Without the forgiveness of sins, we cannot have fellowship with him. And it is especially that gift that we celebrate. The Catechism also says that we will more, that we will be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. In the desert, God dwelt with his people outside the camp in a tent. Now God may dwell in you and me as a temple, and so we are now all the more richer. We may now be totally at one with him, and that unity is now symbolized in the bread and in the wine. In the, Lord's, in the scriptures, the Lord Jesus compares this unity between him and his people to the vine and its branches. Vine and branches belong together. In the same way, we belong together. And nothing can separate us from him and from each other. As Paul says in Romans 8, nothing shall separate us from his love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's why we can also have great confidence in the future. I know I have. And it's a great thing to have that, brothers and sisters. We come to the third point. In the night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the first Lord's Supper with his disciples. Then he broke the bread with them and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he also took the cup and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
no doubt the disciples cherished that moment. They had been through a lot together. And now they could have this intimate moment of a meal, of a celebration together. What a great joy. And then later on, they realized what it all really meant. They remembered. Isn't that something we have to do as well, brothers and sisters? How do we celebrate? Well, how do you celebrate when you get together as family on special feast dates, with a wedding, which we just had a few days ago, or an anniversary? The meal and the fun and the laughter together are important parts of the celebration. To have good food and drink and to have a good time together, those are moments to live for. However, we also know that those moments in life always come to an end. After the party comes the cleanup and the bills. But now the Lord Jesus gives his disciples and therefore also to us some very comforting words. He says to them that he will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until that day when he will drink it anew with them in his Father's kingdom. In other words, the celebration will continue in the life hereafter. That's what we're looking forward to. And then the party will never end. There will be constant celebration. And there will always be that kind of fellowship, that kind of good feeling, that kind of peace and bliss, that kind of unity. Do you see how God cares for his people? How he cares for you? And do you see how important it is to have fellowship with him and with each other? As the Catechism says, he commands us to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And therefore, you may not stay away from the Lord's Supper table. You need it in order to strengthen you in your faith. You need it in order to express that wonderful union you may have with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You need it to show the union that you have with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so, brothers and sisters, do not neglect this sacrament. The Lord's Supper reveals to us our most basic needs. And our most basic need is, whether we realize it or not, to have union with God. Only when you have union with him can you have true life, eternal life. Only in true union with him can you find total satisfaction. Amen.